psychology. It's more than a philosophy, more than a psychology, more than just an ecology, bigger than biology, larger than anthropology, brushes against astrology. That's prophecology. Master Prophet Ibrahim Jordan, and we are here live for these um, in our service on Sunday morning, but we're also going to turn this into a podcast. And we have a special guest with us. I have um, met this man of God. Um, I met him at Bishop Wayne T. Jackson's church, and I met him back. Um, when he was um, running for um, mayor, I believe it was, during that time. And then I saw him again at a function that both of us was at. And the function that we were at was at um, Rush, um, a fundraiser out in the Hamptons. Mm. Where all the rich and famous just hang out at. Wow. And who um, was swimming around there <coughs> at the Hamptons. I remember him being there. I was there with Reverend Run. <coughs> and I remember meeting um, Martha Stewart there. And all the who's who. And. Um, and then during that time, you know, all of our lives went in the direction <clears throat> that it needed to go in. He was supposed to be in studio with us here today, but as things are changing in the um, pandemic, we'll do it from here, because this is really the platforms in which we believe the new world of church and business will be transacted. And uh, we'll probably talk a little bit about some of this. But we're going to, um, he's going to be sharing with us today. But we're going to do this in the form of an interview and um, kind of leading the conversation. So, um, Minister Jonathan, you're looking like a scholar today. Well, you look so debonair. Well, thank you, Bishop. I, I, I thank you. I tried to, I, I. You don't try. Well, you do. Well. Then it's done. Yes. Well, good to see you. And you're sitting next to Bishop-elect. This is my first time sitting next to Bishop-elect post-Vatican City. Well, we're going to see how long you sit <laughs> next to. Let's let not that be the test of anything today. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, come on. Let, let, let's let's um, go to um, the bio of our um, beloved guest. Kwame Malik Kilpatrick is an ordained minister, 
motivational speaker, consultant, certified character coach who values dedication, service, and excellence. <clears throat> As the understudy of his own life and its transformation, Kwame brings unique perspectives gained from his battlefield experiences to listeners, empowering them to unleash their untapped potential. Using real-world examples, Kwame sheds light on how the invaluable talent each person brings to an organization or life experience must be embraced through good decision-making, empowerment, and character. A father, husband, brother, and iconic thought leader of his time, Kwame was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. A graduate with honors from Florida A&M Florida University, Kwame later went to Michigan State University Law School, where he graduated and passed the Michigan Bar Exam the first time he took the test. At the age of 26, he was elected to the Michigan State House of Representatives, then elected by his colleagues to be the leader of that body at 30 years old. At the age of 31, he was elected as the mayor of Detroit. While it has been written with resilient leaders can sustain their energy level under pressure to cope with disruptive changes and adapt, Kwame's resiliency was put to the test when he was faced with public scandal and imprisonment. When sentenced to nearly 30 years in prison and serving nearly eight, Kwame's self-discovery and self-study would be one that would place him on a path of character development, spiritual growth, and preparation to be an effective change agent for organizations, institutions, and communities who are seeking sustainable behavioral and cultural change. This is Kwame Quill Patrick. All right. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. God bless you, man of God. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, Master Prophet Archbishop. I'm doing well. Well, listen, man, we're so honored to have you here today. And, you know, we're not going to miss a beat. I mean, you're in Michigan. I know you were supposed to be here in New York. You were supposed to um, bring your son, whose birthday weekend it is. I believe he turned, was it 10 years old? 11 years old. 11 years old. So you got to give me his cash app. Does he have a cash app so that I can send him some money for his birthday? Yeah, I'm sure he does. Let me get my wife. She's she's watching this somewhere else. Let me tell her, come on down here and tell me what it is. Yeah, we 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 want to bless him. You know, we like blessing young people, and especially if he's a preacher's son, we want to definitely bless him because you know preachers' kids are always in church. You know, always. Uh, and you know, they always feel as though you know, uh, you know, always they're overlooked. They're like. My whole life has been taken away because my father was a preacher. I know my children felt like, you know, we was in church, you know. And my, my, my ch church, you know, mm -hmm. we lost our dad because he was a dad to everybody. Yes, you yes. Know, and, I, and, listen, and, and, well, well acquainted with that grief and sorrow. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, actually true for politicians, too, Archbishop. <laughs> oh, my goodness, I forgot about it. Yeah, okay. Well, we're going to be talking about all of this here today. But, but we honor you and value the, um, the gift of God that is in you. And, uh, well, first of all, let me just start out. How does it feel to be home? Because, I mean, you have survived 
public scandal, ridicule. Um, I mean, you've been to hell in a handbag. I mean, tell us what that was like. You know, Bishop, it was um, the absolute worst experiences that I've ever uh, uh, had in my life. Um, but as Joe uh, and David both uttered, uh, it was good, too, that I've been afflicted um, to actually lose everything and have to pass by all the people uh, that you engaged, looked in the eye, worked with, uh, befriended. On the way down, you had to pass by all those people. Mm. And at 40 years old, on my 40th birthday, I found myself in a solitary confinement cell at a Michigan correctional institution. Jesus. And although I did almost eight years in the feds, I did almost, well, I did 18 months in the state. And so it wasn't, uh, it was almost 10 years of incarceration. And I started the whole thing off at a maximum security prison in solitary confinement. And I left prison on January 20 of 2021 from a federal corrections institution in solitary confinement for 225 days. So I like to tell people uh, the experience was like this. I, in one scene in my life, I was on Air Force One talking uh, Monday night football with Bill Clinton. And in the very next scene, I was chained up like a wild animal on Con Air on my way to a penitentiary. Jeez. And I've experienced everything in between. But being out when I walked out of that prison, January 20th of this year, um, I walked literally into a brand new life, one that I've never lived before. Uh, I, I've, I got married in July. I have a new son. Um, I am continuing to be absolutely blown away at the life that God has given me. I've been preaching around the country. Um, he changed my life in that pit, and uh, I'm never going back, and I'll never be the same. My, my, my. Wow, that's something. What do you want to say, uh, oh, Prophet Jonathan? Uh, you know, this is a hero. Uh, to to I, I remember following this story from the inception. Uh, it um, interestingly enough, it was Mayor Kilpatrick and Kanye West for me at that time that were just dominating media in such a way that I had, I had never seen before. And then to just, I, I, I didn't, I thought you had to be 55 to be anything in politics, to be anything, to be, because all the individuals we had, I had seen had, were of age that moved in these, these realms. But to see someone in a great suit with a, and an earring in his ear, I said, wait, you can, <laughs> He can, he's allowed to be the, wait, what? And I, I was a fan, and I'm telling you, this is just iconic to see, to see transformation and, and, and to borrow from that story and, and to be able to stand on the shoulders of that story. It's just amazing. It's just when the hand of God is on you, from the pit or the palace, it's still on you. Yeah, you know, because when you begin to look at it, I mean, there's so much that happens. Um, Reverend Kwame Kilpatrick is that, you know, we see great men like um, Joseph that had to go into, was put into the pit by his brothers. Mm -hmm. That mean with people he served with. 
and you know had to go through that in order to be able to help a nation in its greatest crises. Yes. You see people like the prophet Jeremiah <clears throat> who was put into prison. And there's so much greatness <clears throat> that comes out of those moments because now Reverend Kilpatrick will minister from a different context that many of us will um, never get to experience because, like he says, to go from Air Force One, mm. where many of us will never be able to see or experience that, and that becomes a part of your resume, to go from the highest of heights in politics until the lowest is something for uh, this man of God to be touched. He's touched with every black man's infirmities. Oh. Uh, which is um, powerful. powerful. Talk to us about um, your call into the ministry. Yes. You know, uh, when I got to prison, I was mad at everybody. <laughs> uh, family members, friends, foes, and, you know, for about a year and a half of that eight years, I kind of felt sorry for myself and just was angry. I mean, the, the, the guy, bitterness was just in my mouth. And um, I stumbled into the chapel one day. I still don't remember why I went to the prison chapel, but I stumbled in there and there was a guy there from Yukon, Oklahoma. His name is Bruce Smith. I mean, I'm talking about evangelical, right, conservative uh, uh, guy from Yukon, Oklahoma. And he, and he was a Vietnam vet. You know, sometimes God, Taylor makes the person uh, that's gonna, that, that when he's messing with your heart, that, that he, Taylor, makes the person that be drawn uh, into your life. And, and this guy said, hey, 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 what's your name, big fella? And uh, <laughs> I told him my name, and he called me Kwambi. And uh, he said, do you, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? <laughs> and I said, no, I don't even know what that is. And, you know, he, he cheered. He said, wow, we finally got some honesty around here. And, he took me to the back of that old chapel in uh, El Reno, Oklahoma, and we sat in the back of that prison chapel. And he talked to me about the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. I'd heard it several times before. I'd been in church all my life, but something was about that day. Um, Jesus said that no one can come to me unless the spirit of my father draws and compels me. And I believe that day uh, the spirit of the Lord was drawn. I got on my knees, shed some tears, and I gave Jesus my life. Um, that next day, I asked for a job in the chapel. For six and a half years of the eight years I was in prison, uh, I was working in the chapel. I started out as a janitor. You know, the, the former mayor of Detroit was cleaning floors, sweeping, wiping pews, uh, cleaning bathrooms. Uh, after a couple of years of that, the chaplain asked me to uh, teach a Bible study. Because that entire time, I was learning and feeding myself. and watching DVDs and doing Bible studies and sending off the books and tapes. And, and it was just amazing, the growth in that two years. And then I started teaching Bible studies. A year later, the chaplain asked me to preach a word. And by that time, I had been evangelizing in the prison, I had, you know, going to GDs and vice lords and floods and trips and talking to them about Jesus Christ. Uh, and in that place is where he refined me and encouraged me to just go. I got my confidence and my swag back, but I was not uh, 
asking for a vote for myself, but I was asking for people to just take a look at Jesus, his wow. authentic manhood, his eternal sonship. And that's uh, in that place is where I had to dream. And I asked God, what, what, before I went to sleep one night, I asked God, what did you want me to do in this kingdom? And I had a dream about me in a church. And, and it was one of those prophetic dreams that I know you'll love, Bishop. I, <laughs> I, I went to sleep. I was driving in this white van. Mm. And I pulled up in front of this little small church. And it was this wooden southern looking church, but it had this luscious lawn in front of it. I got out the van. I took one step on the grass. And the next step I took, I was at the door of this little wooden church. Like I transported to the church. I reached out and I opened the door and the inside of this church was immaculate. It was red carpet, old pews, stained glass windows. It was amazing. And there were three people in this church. There were two old men sitting in the front rows on either side of the middle aisle. And there was an older woman sitting behind the guy on the right. And she turned around and looking at me with the biggest smile. And I started to walk towards her and I asked her, I sat down behind her and I asked her, I said, you know, where's your preacher? Where's your pastor? And she, she, had, she took my hand from the pew she was on and she said, we've been waiting for you. Mm. And I said, oh, for what? <laughs> and she said, boy, just get up there and preach. And when I stood up, I had a Bible in my hand and I walked up to the podium. And it was a, it was a window in the back of that, that, that the rostrum. And I looked out the window and the sun was shining in. I said, Lord, give me something to say to these people. I turned around and looked at them. And, and the two men were looking at me very serious. The, the older woman was looking at me with a big smile on her face. And, I turned around to that window and I said that and I turned back around and the church was packed and people were worshiping it. I mean, the praise in the church was so strong that when I came out of the dream, I was breathing hard and tears were running down my face. Mm. And I said, wow, so Lord, do you want me to preach your word? And out of my belly and bosom, the word came out of my mouth, preach. Mm. And since that day forward, I don't find any uh, comfort, any gratification, uh, any level of encouragement and confidence uh, or, or bliss or joy if I'm not preaching the word of God. Wow. So uh, that's how I received the call. First, from some man who was volunteering at the prison that just had the boldness to say, hey, you, you know, engage me with the message of the gospel. And then next, through a vision, and which was confirmed several different times through dreams and visions, and, and also word uh, about preaching the gospel. Wow! Amen. 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 You know, man of God. You know, God has such a way of doing these kind of things. Because when I first got saved, I had a dream that I must prophesy. I was only I. I I barely knew where the books of the Bible were, and yet here we're having this call, almost like Paul on the Damascus Road, you know, you get this call. And you know, the interesting thing about this, what I find with your story, is something that I heard in Bible school, is that God equips the call, mm -hmm. not necessarily calls the equipped. Mm. Yeah. Amen. You know, a lot of times people feel as though you got to first be ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah and then God calls you. Oh, no, 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 no. God calls you when you're the least likely. Yes. 
Mm. When, you, when people say, well, where did you go to school at? Where did you, uh, who's your pastor? Uh, 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 here you're having a call without actually, you know, sitting here going through several different ranks, and then all of a sudden you like you're hearing the call of God. And there's nothing wrong with that. But here you have a unique call inside a place, and, um, and, and God's raising you up to uh, a, a state that is just amazing. When you got out in January, because I was watching this story, and it was so political, you know, it was interesting because, like, politics got you in, it was politics getting you out. Um, all of a sudden, it was, it, 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 really, really, no, 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 it was, I was, I was, I was like, I was watching this, and I was watching this, I was watching the media, I said, this is really horrible, where here's an opportunity um, for this to happen, and um, um, there was rumors of, about it. There was rejoicing happening in the street, but it kept getting squashed down, you know, because this is a whole election series. How did you feel in this moment? Mm. Because it was like your life was like, I, had, I, I don't know, I can only imagine, it must have felt like it was a yo-yo. So much uncertainty in that season. On May 22nd, 2020, Wow. <laughs> they caught, they, I was in the shower in the unit in prison, and they came to me and said, Joe Patrick, the, the case manager wants to see you. I think you're getting out of here. Nick, with soap and everything on me, I jumped out of the shower <laughs> and ran to my cell and put on some clothes and went downstairs. And she said, it's true, Joe Patrick, you've been given home confinement. I said, Lord, help me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So they put me in solitary confinement because at that time you had to quarantine 21 days because of COVID. And so I went over to solitary confinement. Six days after being in solitary confinement, uh, I, I think the attorney general's name was Barr. Barr snatched my home confinement. He, he told people there was no way I was getting out of prison. And so I'm just sitting there, and one of the guys that was the inmates who was listening to NPR or something came by the cell and said, hey, they killed Patrick. They was on their way to the cell. And mind you, we're in confinement. I don't have any news. I don't know what's going on. He comes by, and he says, hey, man, they snatched your home confinement. That was the most sinking feeling ever. I mean, I'm like, no, no, no. When I got out to make a phone call, I found out that was true. But the warden said, we're going to leave you here because we feel like something is going to happen. I said, well, what? What's going to happen? He said, I don't know. Well, September 24th, Archbishop, I'm sitting in the cell. Um, I'm watching the game, and my chest started hurting. And I said, man, this is crazy. Well, what I didn't know then, I found out 13 hours later, is I was in full cardiac arrest. Ooh. Jesus. I was rushed to the hospital, and when I got there, my heart was working at 20%. Jesus. But I was talking to the doctor and the nurses at the jail, at the prison, just like I'm talking to you. So the nurse at the prison said, it's a mystery. How, how did this, you are a mystery. You should be unconscious. I was like, man, we'll fix it. I get to the doctor, uh, to the hospital, and the doctor says the same thing. So they look, I have no uh, blocked arteries, no hardening in my arteries. My heart just failed. But we found out COVID. So the COVID 
after effect for me was that. So on October 1st, after spending seven days in the hospital, I go back to solitary confinement. <laughs> they give me a bunch of pills, and then I find out I'm getting released. They're giving me a compassionate release October 29th. Mm. Six days later, Attorney General Barr snatches the release. Jesus. And so it was a yo-yo. I'm going home. Yay. I'm giving away clothes. I'm exchanging numbers with people. You know, I'm talking to my my fiance at that time and and my sister and my sons. I'm letting them know I'm coming home. And then they snatched it away. Mm. Now, mind you, I'm in solitary confinement. October, November, December, January. I'm not getting any information. I don't have any access to the computer. God was showing me that I'm going to do this without you. Mm. That that, he, that the heart of the king is in my hand, and I turn it whichever way. Yes. Uh, I and so I'm sitting in solitary, and I can't get any information out. Every now and then, I would go crazy, but for the most part, I was resting until January 6th, Bishop. Somebody came to the cell. His name, his name is Fred Pratt. Give him a shout. He said, big homie, they done went crazy at the Capitol, and, and, and Donald Trump is about to resign. <laughs> Boy, I went crazy that day. Oh, Lord, help me. What you mean? I mean, I, I feel like, okay, Lord, you said that I would be out of here. He gave me a word, Bishop. The, the Lord gave me a word that I would be released from prison the third year I was in prison. He said, you'll be released the seventh year. I told everybody, my, my, my children, everybody, that I'm getting released the seventh year from my prison. Y'all just got to hold on. My son is actually with me here. He was the first person I told. He was 13 years old. He was having problems in school. And I told him, big fella, we just got to hang together for four more years, and I'm coming out of here. And he ended up writing himself. He's a sophomore in college, not doing well. But it was that word that the Lord gave me that I was pleading with him on in a solitary confinement cell, uh, January 6th. Mm. In January, about the 15th, I just rested on a word that he gave me in Ezekiel, where he gave Ezekiel his assignment. He told him after he had sat where they sat for seven days as captives by the river, uh, mm-hmm. He said that he has compassion for them, but then he got his assignment to be a watchman. And right after he got his assignment, the Lord told him to go uh, home, shut yourself up in your house. And so he was showing me through that scripture the way that I should go, that I'm, I sat where they sat, but here comes the release. And before you go into assignment, you're going to spend some time with me and some time with the people in the house. So I just rested on the word. He's going to get me out of here. In the middle of the night, uh, they have a 12 o'clock midnight count at federal facility. So the guard was coming around, and I knocked on the door. Shout out to Ortiz, the CEO over there and over there. I said, Ortiz, I just got a, a commutation or a party. He said, how you know that? I said, I know it. Just go check the computer. I just got a commutation. He said, who told you that? And so I said, the Lord told me. <laughs> and so he goes to the computer archbishop he comes back about one in the morning I'm stretched out in the bed he opens the door Gilpatrick you're all over CNN you're on the news 
It's, you're getting out of here. They, they said Trump gave you a commutation. And at that point, I hit my knees. I thank God. And I, I, I really just went to sleep. <laughs> Ortiz came back about 3 in the morning and did the same thing. How could you sleep at a time like this? And I told him, I said, because I, I know in whom I believe. Mm. I know that God's word is true. He did what he said he was going to do. And I just was so, at that particular point, committed to Jesus and committed to the life that he had chosen for me. And so I, I, I just, that, that was it. It was an up and down yo-yo. It was a faith fight. It was hearing prophetic word and trusting in the word of God's prophets and also him. It was a lot of that going on in that 225 days in solitary confinement. But it also was the time that I had the most amazing time with the Lord in solitude because now I know it was just preparation for where I was going. Wow, that's good. Wow. Amen. Wow. Anything else y'all want to ask this great wow. man of God? Uh, blown away by the. Blown away by the. But, but um, so, so, so tell us about Jeez. Move Mental Ministries. Yes. <laughs> Move Mental Ministries. This, when I was in prison, um, my wife, then uh, uh, my then girlfriend, sent me uh, a book called Permanent Revolution. And it was a book about the, the new church getting back to the first century church mm. when it wasn't about going to a building. It was about turning the world upside down. Okay, now you're it coming down my, you're coming down my block here. For Jesus Christ. And so when you came on, you talked about the new platform for how you see church and business and everything interacting. And those of, uh, of us that were ready to react and be in that platform, God is prospering the ministries that are doing that. So Movemental comes along at the back end uh, or right at, at the end of what we know now, more information about the pandemic. And we say, let's just right now put a ministry together, created within all of us, and let's manifest it in a way that it's a worldwide ministry right off the bat that we have a local and community focus, but we speak to the world because we know that the problems in New York are similar to the problems in Detroit. The problems with the hearts and minds of people in Cleveland are similar to the ones in Los Angeles. And so what we're doing is launching our ministry on January the 20th right here in Marietta, Georgia. Mm. We're having a worship service, but we're gonna stream it live all over the world. Um, Bishop J. Drew Sheard ordained me back in July. Uh, Bishop Sheard is now the uh, presiding bishop and chief apostle of the Church of God in Christ International. Yeah. And he ordained me. And, and he'll be there with us. And, and pastors from around the country will be there. Uh, Archbishop, I am sending you an invitation uh, as well. Uh, we're sending out invitations this coming week. Um, but we're launching the ministry because we believe that the church has already changed. Yes. But the mission of Christ from the first century has not. And he's raising up people all over the world who don't fit the mold that was a traditional mold of people that were going into preaching and teaching and ministering. Yes, sure. He's raising up folks like the disciples. 
Come on. <laughs> folks that was just regular cats, tax collectors and fishermen and, and doctors and people just kind of just was just folks. And he's bringing those folks into a relationship with him, pouring out his spirit in them and sending them on a mission to create movement in the earth for the kingdom of God. And that is exactly what we're doing. That's the blueprint for movemental, touching the hearts and minds, reintroducing particularly men to the authentic manhood of Jesus, mm. changing the idea of this flimsy, uh, soft, punkish Jesus that's been sold particularly to our people for generations. Yeah. And then also understanding how we connect that authentic manhood, that mediator, the man Jesus Christ, to the eternal son. Jesus Christ. Wow. So that is uh, what we what we're doing. That's what we're proffering everywhere we go. And we think we think of ourselves as mailmen. We're just dropping off the mail and allowing the spirit and life of the word to turn people to Him. And so that's what our ministry is. Movemental. Uh, you're going to hear about it after January 20th everywhere. Well, I, 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 I'm already feeling it and hearing it. Um, I love what you're talking about because, look, you're creating, um, look, God has really anointed you. And, of course, the prophet's going to minister to you before you go today, is that you have been, um, you are going into the marketplace, but not just going into the marketplace. You've been anointed to create sustainability in the marketplace. You know, the thing that kept the children of Israel in captivity yes was not the Egyptians. The thing that kept the children of Israel in captivity was the lack of a Moses. Mm. Yeah. Wow. It had nothing to do with the system. The system never changed. changed. Mm -hmm. Is the leadership change among the people that was oppressed. Mm -hmm. And so I hear deeply within the wells of your being, um, the church that is unchurched, which is very critical in this moment. I tell people, don't let this color fool you. Amen. Don't let these colors fool you. Because, you know, I'm not sure if we as Zoe Ministries will ever go back to brick and mortar the way we came out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because when, there was no reason for Noah to try to go back to land when the season was to be in the ark. Mm. There was no reason to go back to Egypt when there was a promised land ahead. Mm -hmm. Technology is the new water. Mm. Wow. wow. Technology wow. is the new water. We've got to stop going in waters that we are familiar in, you got the rich taking vacations in outer space. Right. <laughs> yes, what the world. Because there are pioneers or leaders that are always reaching, if I can say, for new frontiers. And we as the, um, wow as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, must begin to reach. I, I, I love what I'm hearing about movemental ministries. I would like to really have some conversations with you offline, amen, because there's some things that you'll probably be sharing in a not so public platform 
in order for there to be um, strategies and, and things that would be strategic. Because when we look at it, um, Reverend Kwame, is that Forty percent of whites have the privilege of physical distancing in this pandemic and can make sustainable money. Mm -hmm. Only 20 percent of black people, and we only make up 13 percent of the nation, which means that most of our people are frontline workers because they either don't have the education or the knowledge or the way to be able to create physical distancing work, which means that they do not have work from the future. They're still working in a model from the past. Mm. The question is, how do we take the people that are watching us, you that are watching us, about 80% of you that are watching us today, that are part of this ministry, can do physical distancing work. The only reason you're here with us on Sunday morning is because you're not going to risk your health on Sunday in a crowded sanctuary. Because why keep yourself clean Monday through Friday and take a risk on Sunday? Mm. It just doesn't make sense. Mm. Then if that's the case, what is the new model for worship? What is the new model for sustainability? And so um, I'm happy to hear what you're launching. Um, I pray that God will cause you to find your 12. Um, Jesus, um, he chose 12 men to be disciples. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, if I had to do ministry over again, and this is you know, me talking now after, what, 35 years of pastoring? Going into the 36th year, whatever. I think it's more than 35. It's over. It's over like 38, I think. Um, I would choose a different set of 12. Because Jesus chose 12 that were rich men. You can only rise as high as your 12. <laughs> and the quality of your 12 determines the strength of your work. Um, your 12 is going to be significant. Um, I hear you mention the word prophetic quite a bit. Um, you, you have a belief in the prophetic and the prophets, men of God? Absolutely. And why is I, that I so? I believe the whole word of God. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if, if, if I didn't believe in the prophetic, then there's a few other pages of the Bible that I just need to tear right out. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't believe that you can be a blood-washed, born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and having received his spirit living on the inside of you and had that spirit come upon you and not understand that their prophetic word is still alive and well in the earth today. Um, it, it, I, I can tell you this, Archbishop, in November of 2007, I was sitting in a church, Greater Emanuel Institutional Church of God in Christ, and I sat in the back. I was mayor of the city of Detroit. I went to a few churches that Sunday, and I said, let me just go by this church, and I'm going to sit in the back. Th that was actually my church. I said, let me go to my church. I'm going to sit in the back. Everybody knew me there. I didn't have to come in there with pomp and circumstance, and I sat in the back three rows, 
and there was a prophet preaching. And at the end of his sermon, he started walking around the sanctuary. He looked at me and he, he said, I don't know you. The young preacher from Louisiana, he said, I don't know you. He said, but if you have an office and people laugh, do you have an office? And I said, yes, sir. He said, well, get in that office Monday and get five people around you who know Jesus, who know him. I'm telling you, this man got emotional. And he said, you're about to go through a storm that is unlike anything that you've ever experienced. You need to get the people that you know that know God and to pray. They have to pray. They have to fight. They have to go to war right now. I mean, he was so serious that it almost brought tears to my eyes. But at that time, I was a little cool. I was too, I, was, I didn't want to hear it. I, and what I realized is that I followed his word and I went to my office Monday morning. That was Sunday, Monday morning. The next morning, I got to the office and I realized, Bishop, that I didn't know five people that knew Jesus. Wow. Mm. Jesus. And when I was sitting in a cell after three years of walking with him in a prison where there's all kind of stuff to get to, the thing that I rejoiced in the most is that I knew five people that can make heaven move mm. when they prayed. I wasn't happy about anything else. And so not only do I believe in the prophetic, God made sure that before he really started my dark process, my womb process, he had me hear a prophetic word that was a sure word mm. that came to pass in my life and showed me how ill-equipped I was by him be able to do anything about it and he was actually going to give me the equipment later and so yes i, I believe in uh, the prophetic word and i believe that it needs to go forward in the earth today amen well we bless the lord for you and we're going to um go ahead and um have the company of prophets get ready to minister and everybody should know what their lineup their position is and um how can people follow you, Reverend Kwame? Uh, best way is on Instagram. I'm at at the real Kwame Kilpatrick. Uh, I got a blue check. There's a bunch of fake Kwame Kilpatrick on there, but the blue check, that's, that's, that's the big fella. That's me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, that's the best way. We have our on Facebook, uh, Kwame Kilpatrick, Movemental Ministries. We also have Movemental Ministries on Instagram as well. Uh, but that's the best way uh, to follow us. All right. Well, let's give Kwame Kilpatrick a hand. <laughs> and so we're going to have the company of prophets get ready to minister to him. Is your wife there with you? She can come and join you in the set. If she's available. Yes, I, want, I would love for her to. She, um, she's actually upstairs watching this. Okay, so she's uh, watching well, it. Let me put it on mute. Come on down here, baby. Okay. <laughs> Come so, on downstairs. Amen. And so um, we have the lineup of the prophets. And we have um, number one would be Deborah Jordan. Number two, Gloria Kelly. Number three, Maddie Young. Number four, Cynthia Clark. Number five, Nichelle Varian. Six, Stephen Brown. Seven, Bishop-elect Joshua Jordan. Eight, Jessica Jordan. Nine, Alexander Gray. Ten, Carol Fambro. Eleven, Iris Green. Marvin Green. See until three. Mesa Paniti Barbie. Natasha Love. William Richards. Sherman Pegues is 
will be out. He's leaving. Um, Kimberly Lewis will be leaving. So after William Richards, um, Mary Shen is out until three. So after R William Richards is Rosie Critchlow. You got that prop as Rosie Critchlow? Yes, sir. Okay. Nera Vasquez is out. And so after Rosie Critchlow will be Grace Asquith, Candace Taylor, Rhonda Jackson, and um, Prophet Denise Bullock. Amen. All right. Okay, Cup of Prophets, you may begin. Amen. Holy Spirit, speak through me. Man of God, I just hear God said that he's getting ready to do two things. I heard God said, number one, God is getting ready to renew your strength and to revitalize that which is necessary in this season. Also, I hear God say he's getting ready to bring about right help, right individual that is going to be able to uphold you and uphold your hand. For the vision is of the Lord. And God is going to sustain and keep thee. Now I hear God said, even concerning your wife, God said he's touching matters of concern and matters of the heart. And one last thing, I don't know if you've been contemplating about moving or doing something, but I hear God said increase is due the man of God. Increase because God said he's expanding your borders because right people and right help is getting ready to show up in the name of the Lord. And your son, his, God's hand is upon him. And God brings about protection and God brings about provision even concerning him. And that is the word of the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. And man of God, I hear the Lord say this. God says to tell you that his hand has been heavy upon you all the days of your life and every way of your life. But God says, I'm going to continue to instruct you and guide you in the way that you should go. And this is going to be a season that you shall know that I am with you. God says, not only will I guide you, but God says, you're going to find yourself coming into the expansion even of my word. Now, I further hear the Lord say this, get ready, because the literature that has been welling up on the inside of you shall begin to spill out and bless many. And that's the word of the Lord. Speak, Lord. And I further hear the Lord said, uh, I, I concur with the right people. The Lord says you're going to have the right connections. And also the Lord says he's going to put a light on your path. He's going to guide your footsteps in this season. You're going to go in the right direction. And also I see this ministry for the men. You're going to be ministering to the men, especially those that are incarcerated. And that's the word of the Lord. Father, thank you for the word. And I hear God say, get ready for expansion. And not only do I see a church, but I even see in later years, some type of school that the church will support. Almost like the church is gonna um, have a school within it. Um, school, a training center, I, I'm here in school. So God said, get ready for expansion and growth. And that's the word of the Lord. Lord, thank you. And I further hear the word of the Lord saying mastery, for God said you've been called to master, um, mastery. God says study the habits of the masters, the earlier masters, for God says you're called to raise up masters and leaders, and that is the word of the Lord.
impartation in the area of wisdom. There's going to be sound counsel not just coming through you, but around you. This is going to be a time of wholeness and balance for you. Get ready, says the Spirit of God, because this is going to be a time of new relationships, new connections, and God says, I'm preparing a platform. Your voice will travel far and bring healing and reconnection to others, and that's the word of the Lord. Father God, speak through me, and I further heard the Lord say, write the vision down and make it plain that though it may tarry, it shall not tarry, but it shall surely come to pass. I saw you writing, mighty man of God, both your wife and you, and I saw you two checking off things on your vision board in this season. Get ready to manifest, saith the spirit of grace. And Father, thank you for the word. And I further hear the word of the Lord saying, I concur with the writing. The writing is going to be very important in this season for you. And it's not just one book, but it's going to be books. I also hear the word of the Lord that there's going to be a team around you, a strong team in this season that's going to be begin to build around you. I also hear the word of the Lord for your children. Um, education is going to be taken care of. And that is the word of the Lord. Father, release your voice. The Lord says you have been crushed to be the oil to bring healing to many that are hurting, that are bruised. I see uh, like Frederick Douglass' grace on your life as a revolutionary. The Lord says also there's going to be a movie concerning your life, and also you're going to have like a talk show that deals with young men that are hurting secretly, says the Lord. And Father, send your word, and I concur with the prophets concerning writing. I also see a tremendous grace of healing that shall move within you and throughout uh, your ministry. Also, there is a series of books that you will begin to pen. So get ready to use the pen of the ready writer. Also, I see you moving in a, a grace of miracle signs and wonders, and that is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And I hear God saying that, yes, I concur also with the prophets of the writing. But I see you writing books, writing curriculums, creating teachings that will bring a new type of Christianity way of thinking, that they will be the people prepared to take the world over for you with the mindset that I want them to have, and that is the word of the Lord. Father God, speak to me. Father God, speak to me. God says that this is the season for financial success and great accomplishments that word of the law. Speak, Lord, thy servant here. I hear the word of the Lord. God is bringing forth a great, effective men's ministry, outreaching with men, and that God's going to give you favor with people in high places. That's the word of the Lord. Father God, your prophet, I hear the word of the Lord saying this year will be the year of reset. God says that like Job, he's going to give you double for your trouble, and that's the word of the Lord. But hear the word of the Lord saying, this is your Ebenezer. Hitherto had the Lord brought you. Know that God's grace is upon your life for good, and that's the word of the Lord to you. Speak through me, Lord. And I hear the word of the Lord saying, the 91st division of Psalms is yours. He said, go in the room and close the door. Speak to me, and I'll speak to you. And everything that you ask me for, it will be thine. And that's the word of the Lord. Father, speak through me. And I hear the word of the Lord saying to you, man of God, you are the promise of Abraham. You are fearless. And because of this, God is expanding your territory in this season. And your territory will be with women, men, and children. And that is the word of the Lord. 
Father, I thank you. Speak, Lord. And I hear the word of the Lord saying, I will show myself to you in ways that you have no idea. I will give you the desires of your heart. I also hear the word of the Lord saying, for I will restore health unto thee and heal thee of all thy wounds, says the Lord. And that is the word of the Lord. And Father, open my eyes. And I heard God say, say, can't nobody do it like you. But Father says, your uniqueness, your uniqueness is being brought to the spotlight. And that's the word of the Lord. And I concur with all the other prophets. And I hear the word of the Lord says, your stumbling blocks have now become your stepping stones. And God said, you're just on your way up, 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 and over the top. And that is the word of the Lord. Amen. And I further hear the word of the Lord saying that January 20th is going to be your inauguration day of new beginnings and brand new starts. And as it is your inauguration day, you are going to ruffle the feathers of many who are comfortable and be getting ready to be used to being in that position. You're going to break new ground and call out the loss. And that is the word of the Lord. And um, the Lord says it's no accident about your relocation but I hear two states. I don't only hear Georgia, but I hear something coming out of Louisiana for you. Um, do you have any connections at all in Louisiana? No, I don't. I was there, I was there. that's where I left prison. That's where what? I left prison. I left prison. For on January 20th of this year, when I was out, I left for prison in Louisiana to be free. Because the Lord says, your work in, Louis in Louisiana is not over. Hmm. Georgia is going to launch you around media and motion picture. But Louisiana, oh, wow. It looks like Louisiana is where your story is going to be shot from. Mm. When that day and hour come, all of this will begin to make sense. The Spirit of the Lord says, continue to keep a journal going daily. Mm. Because through your journals is where I will speak to you. And the things you write down in the present will not make sense until tomorrow. Mm. I am your open door. And I see you sitting at a table. I see a closing taking place. And God is going to give you something that's going to cause you to forget all of what you've been through. And there are two major gift angels that are getting ready to show up in your life. And that is the word of the Lord. God bless you, man of God. We thank God for you. Bless you, Archbishop. Thank you. Thank and you. Uh, 
and, and this won't be the last time we'll hear from you on this platform. You have a lot to teach us and a lot to give us because you were trained for one thing, but God is going to use that training for his kingdom. Amen. God bless you. Thank you and the company of the prophets for speaking into my life. I thank you. Amen. All right. We're gonna be, oh, oh, what's, your, what's your son's cash app for his birthday? Hey, can I text it to you? Okay, you text it to me. Y'all remind me to send so someone why I'm getting all this. <laughs> that says, well, you know, your father went out to preach somewhere. He just happened there to mention you. My wife is walking up. It's a uh, it's dollar sign. Pathfinder Firm. Spell it Path. Path P A T H. F I N D E R F I R M. The Pathfinder. <laughs> okay, so it's Pathfinder Firm. That's it. Okay. Leave out the the. No, yeah, leave out the the. Just Pathfinder Firm. Pathfinder Firm. Okay, great. Okay, we'll be sending something over to him. He's turned, what, 11 today? 11? Yes, he did. Yep, he turned 11. Oh, okay. he's in the sixth grade? He's in the fifth grade. He's, uh, yeah, he just turned 11 yesterday, so okay. he's wow. in the fifth grade now. Okay. Wow. That's an interesting grade. Yes, it is. It's an interesting grade? Yes, it is. Why did you say it is? Because that's where you're going to really get a world. It's like the commercial before the pre, the, the, the sequel, the prequel or the commercial before the movie. So he's going to give you a glimpse <laughs> into what yeah. 14, 14 and a half through 17 and a half is going to look like. Really? Yeah. You know, fifth graders give you a, a glimpse? Oh, yes. Of their teenage years? Oh, yes. I never looked at it that way. That's um, fifth graders. Yes. Let me see, which of our grandchildren do we have that's in the fifth grader? Jesus, I don't know. I don't know. Because he's in the fifth grade, right. I don't think. Because they're knocking on junior high. They're knocking on junior high. Yes. So they Fourth get... grade, they're still happy, happy to please you. Fifth grade, they're going to start smelling themselves. <laughs> fifth grade? Fifth grade? Just a little, just a little bit. Oh, okay. Smell fifth grade. Okay. See, if we had our children again, honey, we was, at fifth grade, we would send them into boarding school. <laughs> All right. Okay. God bless. He's like, what? God bless you. Uh, God bless you, Reverend Kwame. We're going to be hearing again from you, and we wish you the best. And uh, we're going to be a blessing to um, this man of God. And so those of you that would like to give on today, we're going to um, bless him. You know, in church, we would, you know, say, let's get a love offering for the um, man of God. So what we're going to do, we're going to be a blessing to him. And you can um, just put there for Reverend Kwame, and we'll give him... Um, a generous love offering, and we'll do it the Zoe kind of way. All right. God bless you. Amen. Peace and blessings. To keep in touch with Master Prophet E. Bernard Jordan, go to www.bishopjordan.com and follow him on all social media platforms. To get more information about the Prophetology Conference and or more special events, go to www.zoeministries.com 
or call 888-831-0434. Thank you and stay blessed.